basically why we have why we have left the business world one side. The great divide between secular and sacred has done a lot of harm to the body of Christ. It cannot harm the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is far greater than the body of Christ. But church dimension have basically shot itself in the foot by withdrawing from the business world. So much that you don't hear about born again people being billionaires in business. You don't hear about that. You hear about billionaires in amongst the amongst the Gentiles, so-called Gentiles. The, the people that are born again, they have this um, this icon on them, billionaires. Now, can you imagine what a billionaire, a multi-billionaire, will be able to do <coughs> for the kingdom of God with billionaire status? If their understanding is right, then they can do a lot. Okay? So we need to pray for the entrepreneurial spirit, the grace to come upon us. I believe it's here already, but you need to embrace it. I was praying early last, early, early this morning, but say, uh, let me not give you the time. I was praying this prayer. Lord, help me to embrace this entrepreneurial spirit. <laughs> this grace dimension of the entrepreneurs for the business will help me to embrace this dimension because I told God, Daryl, you never ever would have thought that I would pray this kind of prayer. I'm honest. We in the church have developed a consumeristic mindset instead of a capitalistic mindset. Now, people will tell you, how can you tell the church about being, being <laughs> capitalistic? There's nothing wrong with capitalism, right? If you weigh it up, any, any opinion, any idea have good and bad. We only focus on the bad of capitalism, the greed of capitalism. You know, the rich gets richer and the poor gets poorer. We only focus on that. But listen, listen. When capitalism came in to Adams, the world changed for good. Because the profit margin, profit, have come into the business world. From then on, you heard people say, we're entering the business world for profits. And then it was taken out of context. The guy that engineered this, the guy that brought capitalism forth, did not bring it forth for that purpose. That one must get richer and the other must get poorer. That's manipulation, basically. But we in the church have developed a consumer mentality. Afrikaans, ons verorber. Ons het gebruiksmentaliteit. We don't, we don't care about inventions. We don't care about creative institutions institutions of the mind, we only think of what we can get and what we can do with what we get. That's the church mentality. But if you go to the Bible, it's a different story. A completely different story. If you go and ask me, uh, Harold, where did you get uh, capitalism from or consumer mentality in the Bible? It's in scripture. It's right there. But the creative mindset Starts in Genesis 1.26. We are again there. 1.26, let us make men. And let them have dominion over the... Let us make men in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every creeping thing upon the earth. Right? So that's three dimensions. It is, number one, the birds of the air, the atmosphere. Now the atmosphere can be taken, you can broaden out to atmosphere, you can say that that is basically aviation. There's a, there's a plane flying overhead over us in the atmosphere. That's the first, they call it the first heaven, that's the atmosphere basically. So, But we have not, we don't have an idea about how to control that dimension as a church. Then you find the fish of the sea, the ocean dimension. The ocean dimension is broad and big. Countries are fighting for rights, for fishing. Right? It's an enormous, it's a, it is big. Japan and China are fighting right now for the, for the 
the lines of Africa, especially South African ocean lines. And every now and then they bridge it. You or every now and then find Yen Saldana. There's a lot of Chinese ships, boats laying there and catching fish. Because this is a rich resource and they're not supposed to. I don't know how much they pay to get in there, but it's rich. Ocean dimension is big. Then you find the earth dimension. And it's not only cattle, everything that creeps. So cattle mainly creeps, walking on four legs. Four legs, that's what it means. It creeps, basically. It's not just a mention of, of demons and devils. That's not there. It is the whole of nature. Natural resources is vast. In nature, you find commodities like diamonds, gold, medallion, copper, and all the new things they are finding. Africa is rich with resources. But we do not get in there because our mentality, our mentality is personal salvation only and not corporate salvation. Everything is I, me, and myself and not corporate. We are the most unequal country in the world. Can you imagine that? We have the highest unemployment rate in the whole world. The government will tell you 38 to 39 percent, but really it's over 50 percent now. Okay? And that calls for our attention, our, our, our tension, our concentration must change. We, we in the church don't understand human resources. Every company has a human resource department. Am I right? Why? Because the human resources are important to the company. The richest GDP in church is humans, human capital, human currency. So we need to upgrade our understanding of human resources. Really, most churches don't even know what the people have in the congregation numbers. We do not know what we have. Therefore, churches don't, we have numbers, but we have no development. Jesus tells a story about the parable about a guy getting five talents, another guy getting three, another guy getting one. That's a parable, right? The one with five goes and invests his five talents. Now, talents can be interpreted as the value of your life's worth in working. How you increase your value? This man's got his life's worth in his hands five times over. And Jesus says, this man took his talents to the church, right? He took his talents to the marketplace to invest it. And he grew it. He developed it, it multiplied, the investment multiplied, and then it got 10. What was the words of the master when he came and presented the 10 to the master? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Am I right? So the same with the one that did three. Went out to the marketplace. He didn't go to a church meeting. He didn't go to a conference or a seminar. He didn't fast for 40 days and 40 nights. He took the talents to the marketplace <coughs> and developed it and multiplied it. And the master said, well done, thou good and faithful servants. Servant. But the problem is the one guy had one talent. This guy had one talent. And when he came before the master, he said to the master, I was sorely afraid of you. I knew your character. You were a hard man. So I thought to myself, I don't have the capacity to develop this. And I kept it. Thinking, keeping it, giving the one talent back to the master will save him. And he, will get, he will get by. The master took the talent from him and said to him, you bad and wicked servant. Get out of my company. Are you with me today? Church, we must wake up. I'm speaking to myself as well. We must wake up. We have business people in our midst here. Okay? And there you land us going for another business opportunity. God is doing something in our midst. God is telling us 
follow me and I will make you. Okay. A word I want to give you strongly, and you heard me say this in the part, but today I said strongly, God is attacking the business world. Now, he's not violent in attacking it. He's saying to us, get involved there. That's where the mullah is. Okay? I'm saying mullah because people don't want, don't want the church to use the word money. Right? That's where the money is. I must still meet a person that says, I don't need money. I don't want money. I'm not asking, do you like money? We all need money. We must get to a point where we begin to value our talents, our skills, our resources God has given us. We need to wake up to the fact of human resources being neglected in church. Being neglected in church. I know of a guy called Del Kami, Ramon Del Kami. He's got a degree in in uh, designs. You know, uh, I don't know what you call it. it is, he can design stuff. Right. His church where he was out in a Pentecostal church never used him. He's now in another church somewhere in Kells River. I can be wrong, but he's there. And he's using his capacity as a designer for the church. And the church have created the office to entertain his ability. And it's growing. Those officers now got staff members. Because Ramon Del Kami basically has taken his gift and made it known to the pastor. Amen. There's gifts inside every born again believer that needs to be uncovered. I would like to have us to start a human resource department. Amen. Don't tell me that's ungodly. When we begin to do an analysis every now and then, what do we have in our midst? Okay. We have people here in our midst that, that's brilliant with certain stuff. And we, we, we just don't want to use it. But let's develop our, our mentality into a human resource, resource capacity. Now, I want to, I don't know how long this will be. There's going to be a couple of sessions of, of kingdom entrepreneurship, right? The church needs to get out of a consumeristic mindset into a creative, imaginative dimension. The word image, image, the first part of the word image is the, the first part of the word imagination is the word image. Imagination. Do you get me today? Imagination. We do not use our imagination in relation to the kingdom of God. And that's where we fail because we haven't been taught that. Now I'm going to show you something today that once again the life of Jacob. How this man was groomed and guided by God. To his grandfather and his father to bring him to a point where he had to realize I have the acumen of a business entrepreneur. Okay. Jacob comes before his father by the time that he's supposed to get married now. He's getting married now. And he says to his, his father says to him, do not take a wife. From where you stay now. Do not take a wife. I'll give you the scripture now. Genesis. Genesis 33. Genesis 28. Genesis 28 from 1 to 5. I'm using this before the other points I made. But this is about more important. 28 from 1 to 5. Right? Genesis 28. Let me read it to you. And one to five. This is the life of Jacob. Okay, he gets an instruction from his father called Isaac, and Isaac called Jacob and blessed him. Now let me just stand here today. We just guide over these verses. Isaac called Jacob his son and blessed him. 
Listen to me. The blessing in the Bible. Normally an oral blessing. Let me stress it again. It was transferred. It was imparted by voice. Called Jacob to him and blessed him. Laid his hands upon his shoulders or his head and blessed him. That is a sign. The, one of the names, one of the names of, of God is the word Yad. Called the hand of God. Now when you talk about blessing, you transfer the Yad, the Yad, the hand of God on somebody's life. So when Jacob blessed him, he transferred the hand of God upon his son. Are you with me this morning? He transferred the hand of God in his multiple faceted wisdom and grace and anointings upon Jacob. And then he said to him, and charged him and said, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. In other words, do not get married to a daughter, a woman of Canaan. Arise, go to Padanaram. Please, if you want to pronounce these things properly, you got to speak fast. It sounds like Boko Haram, isn't it? He uh, says, go to Padanaram. To the house of Bethuel. Right? My mother's father. Right? And take thee away from thence of the daughters of Laban, my mother's brother. In other words, the father instructs Jacob to do something. Okay? He says, go and get married to somebody in the house of Laban. You got to think about this now. Why does Isaac give him that instruction? Because Isaac is looking forward to the generational blessing that's going to come into the family, right? And God Almighty bless thee and make thee fruitful and multiply thee that thou mayest be a multitude of people. Now, we don't understand these terminologies. These terminologies is for the business world. Now, I, Jacob goes then. He goes then to the house of Laban and he goes and finds a wife there. He goes to Padanaram and he falls in love with Rachel. Am I right? What happened here? He listened to his father's instruction. We're going to get there sometime later on. And he went there now. I want to point out to you in this, in this season. In the Western world, mainly, we have neglected paternal blessing that comes by paternal instruction. Go read the book of Proverbs. Every now and then, Solomon says, Obey your father and your mother. Obey the instruction of the elders. Surround yourself with guys that are wise. Why? That's how blessing is transferred. The problem we have in the world today when there's a huge divide of youth, listen to me, moving out of the, the paternal housing and staying on their own. It's a Western concept. I hope you listen to me now. And it, it, it harms society. A youngster, if he's not trained by the father and the mother to make decisions on their own, will be handed over to a state government that will govern the youngster's life. And there's a danger. Families are under attack in the world right now. And we as parents have to rise up and take our authority back on our children. My son said to me one day, we're still in the house, Daddy, I would like to have a tattoo. <laughs> I said to him, you know what? I've got nothing against tattoos. But as long as you are in this house, you will not have a tattoo. And I said to him, as long as you are my child, you will never, never have a tattoo. Even have to cut it off. He laughed. And I said, I'm serious. Listen to my instruction. Because the father's and mother's instruction, if it's listened to by the children, will be like a garland around their necks. Go read the first five books of Proverbs, please. It's right there. Parental instruction. God spoke to me. God said, turn this now, at this time, turn the people to understand the father-son relationship. I didn't think much of that. You know me. 
I, I think Brian knows that. Mary knows that. I was against the father-son relationship. But when God taught me himself, he took hold of me. The last three, four years, he took hold of me and said to me, you've got to understand how I transfer blessing. The world will be delivered if that becomes the model in church. Must I prove it to you? John chapter 3 verse 16. God so loved the world, the cosmos and everything that's in it. <clears throat> God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God the Father loved the world so much that he gave his son. You see the Father gives a son. Amen? I'm not going to say much further than that. Okay. So Jacob listened to his father. He went upon his father's advice and instruction. And by listening to his father, he entered the business world without him even knowing it. You gotta look at the Bible with new eyes now. He went to Padanaram. Laban had livestock. Livestock in today's terminology will be farming. The oldest trade in the world is farming. Jacob knew. My father sent me here for a purpose. If we begin to listen to paternal instructions, fatherly advice, fatherly instruction, the blessing comes with you. Come on, man. Let's, let's not play games anymore. Churches must wake up to this model, the father-son model, the one skin of father-son. We cannot go on the way we went on. We cannot go and teach about people's needs all the time. We need to build structures, build pillars of strength for communities to be changed. Our, our country is in a dire stretch. Don't know if you know about this. You know the spring, the autumn spring, the spring, Arab spring that happened. It's called the Arab spring revolution that happened in the Middle East, all over the Middle East. The police in Egypt one day just came and attacked youths protesting. And the whole thing but, but blown out of proportion by the world. But what happened there, these youngsters got tired of being oppressed. Not having the right to make their own decisions. That's part of it. And it spread to the Middle East like wildfire. People are saying it's going to happen here as well. If this government keeps on oppressing people, unemployment is rife in our country. Poverty reeks. We live in areas where we, we don't smell poverty. Don't think because the Springboks went to Langa. Don't think because the Springboks went to Langa and you see all those people following there, it was good. It's reeks of poverty. Reeks of poverty. Unemployment is a danger right, to the succession of humanity. Okay? Nelson Mandela once said, poverty is human invented. So humans can rid itself of poverty. Wise words. But no one listened to the guy. I'm not going to talk about politics this morning. You know why? Because politics is everywhere. Everywhere. If I ask you now, if I ask you now to explain the word government, we all here will talk about government, ANC, EFF, DA controlling us, governing us. We will make it a polit political word. But government is everywhere in life. If you got up this morning and you make, made yourself beautiful, you governed your life for the day. Okay? Emma, is it okay this morning? I don't think you ever heard me talk about this. This thing of entrepreneurial grace has climbed into me, boot and all. I heard God speak to me. So let's, let's for, I don't know how long, maybe a week or two, maybe even more than that, go into Jacob's life. Jacob's life is a, 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 a Beautiful example of entrepreneurship. A stunning example. 
Jacob, the trickster. They call him the one that was cunning, right? The one that they call him Scalum. But this guy, this guy stands out amongst biblical icons as one of the best entrepreneurs. Let me say this, one of the best businessmen that operated in scripture, Jacob. He's the one that, that God used to start the nation. Twelve sons. Don't get ideas by having many children, please. That's a belief. You're not, you're not Jacob. Leave it to Zuma. Right. So let's 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 look at this guy and see what God does in his life. Basically, to take him from being a normal young man, Jacob was not in the field. Jacob, Jacob never worked in the field. His brother worked in the field. Jacob was all in the house, all about Rebecca's skirt, all of the. So like I said, he's leaf from Mama's rock. It was a combined He was like one that know how to make food and stuff like clean the house and stuff like that. Jacob was not the normal man as we know it. If Jacob was alive today, you'd call him like that. Look at me, call him, oh Jacob. He was like that, but not literally. We would look at him, oh, you make food. And people that make food nowadays are not considered to be men like. Right? So Jacob was all in a house and God sends him out by, by his father's instruction. Go to the house. All that. But how did Jacob get to that point? Learn this now. If you enter the, the business world now, you have to write this down, make a note of it. If you enter the business world with an entrepreneurial spirit, you got to value the birthright. Value the birthright. In Genesis 25, from verse 29 to 34, I'm going to paraphrase the figure. Just write it down. We'll type it out. Genesis 25, 29 to 34. Jacob comes in. No, Esau comes in. Esau comes in from the field. He's a, he's a guy of the field. He loves life, livestock, hunting and stuff like that. He comes in. He's hungry. And he smells, he smells pottage. Now, you, let me interpret pottage for you. You would say in our day, you would smell a dull curry. A dull curry. Plats I'll say a dull curry. Dull, yeah. He smelled this beautiful fragrance coming from the kitchen. Who was in the kitchen? Jacob. He just smells and he says, give me some of that, 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 that food you made. Give me some of that brew you make there. And listen to Jacob. Listen to Jacob. See how, how this guy thinks. He says to his brother Esau, I'll give you some if you sell me the birthright. Listen to him. I will give you Esau. I will satisfy your craving for food if you sell your birthright. And because Esau did not value the birthright, he sold it to Egypt. He sold it to his brother Isaac. Jacob, sorry. He sold it to his brother Jacob. Do you get the lesson you know? Value the birthright. The birthright number one is the ability to govern in the place of the father. That's the birthright. To run the affairs of the household, of the family, instead of the father. You see father-son relationship here? He valued it so much that after it was given to him, but it didn't look like much when he ate, when, when Esau ate the food. It didn't look like much. Nothing happened. But Jacob wanted this thing so much. He even deceived his father for the birthright. Are you with me today? In the business world, without a born-again birthright, we will not amount to much. Say amen. amen. We will not amount to much. The birthright is a solemn vow that God makes. You will run my affairs. Listen to me now. I'm going from, from the father, natural father to the eternal father. He said to mankind, you will run my affairs in the earth. Right? I'm taking this to a higher step now. 
the birthright in a family is the, the oldest son, the firstborn, will govern the family. God says, mankind, my firstborn son, will govern the family. Why do you think God went through length, such length to restore the birthright of mankind? To have proper governors in the earth. Hello? Is this new stuff? Of course it's new, new to me as well. But we need to understand the birthright. Number one, Jacob valued the birthright so much that he bought it with a plate of food. You might say that's cheap. It's not cheap. It's wise. Amen. Amen. If you don't, if you don't value it, like Mike Murdoch says, if you don't value your talents and your skills and your gifts, it will exit your life. At that moment, when when Esau sold the birthright to his brother, the birthright exited his life, left him alone. And then he became a wanderer. Hello. The second time when the birthright was was cunningly given to Jacob, which when his mother said to him, "Your father." He's dumb of eyes. In other words, he's of old age. He cannot see properly anymore. Does mother love? The Bible says, you heard the scripture last week. The Bible says, Isaac loved Esau. Rebekah loved Jacob. As long as she had this young man around the skirt, she loved him and she promoted him everywhere she went. She said to, to Jacob, your father can't see. Go take some skin or, 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 or animals there and rub it on you, on you so that you can smell like an animal. You work with animals. Take the, the, the skin of a, of a young goat and cover your arms with that. And he did it. And when he came before, before Isaac, who could not see anymore, it was now time to transfer the birthright, the blessing, orally. To the, to the eldest son. And this young man, Jacob, presented himself as Esau, the eldest son. Why? Because he bought the right from Jacob. In my opinion, people call him Skellum. I don't, I don't call him Skellum. He bought it. Did he buy it? With the plate of it? Yes. So he goes to his father and his father transferred the blessing. The father first touches him and says, but you don't, you smell like Smell like Esau, but you don't, you are not actually Esau. And, if, and he touched him and said, okay, fine, I'm satisfied now. He was deceived. And he gave Jacob the birthright. So the birthright comes twice upon you. You get the right to govern in the father's state, but you get your own right as a firstborn. Double blessing. 20% comes to you. If you don't value the birthright in the business world, you will not gain much profit in the business world. Here me today, it's a principle God is restoring to us. There's a guy called Jonathan Chen or Chan. He's a Jew. He's written a couple of books the last 10 years. The one book is called Harbinger. Harbinger 1, Harbinger 2. The latest book is called Oracles. There's about five books. Go read those books. Go read those books. I do not agree with... Everything he says, but when it comes to the birthright, and I didn't read the book on the birthright yet. I just follow the Bible here. Right? But there's nothing wrong to read somebody else and refer to them. But he says, as Jonathan Khan said, if you do not value your birthright, it will exit your life. Are you firstborn son? Yes. I don't hear you. Yes. Are you firstborn son? Yes. You better be. Firstborn son, you have rights. Now do this. Embrace yourself like this. Hold it. Do this for me, everybody. Hold it. Don't tell me. Oh, my arms is sore. Let's pray for your arms then. Do this. Say, I love my birthright. I love my birthright. My double portion. My double portion. I embrace it. I embrace it. I own it. I own it. And now I take ownership of it. And now I take ownership of it. Unless we do this. Unless we do this, we will have meager results in the business world. I deem this very important, guys. I deem this very, very important. We have a lot of things flying out there on social media. 
especially in church levels. But no one talks this. Am I right? No one talks this. There's a lot of things that God has said to me years ago. I will give you stuff, and you've got to promote it in church. <coughs> Recently, somebody said to me, you know, Daryl, you don't have a pastoral anointing. And I knew it. Sometimes when people ask me, go pray for this one, go pray for that one, you know. I'll go. But in my heart, <laughs> I would rather not go. I don't like it. Let me explain. Let me explain to you. I am not the type that runs around to bless people. I'm the type that takes time to build you. And I can walk with you for years if I see the potential in you guys. I walked to Marion for years. That's my prime example. I'm just joking. <laughs> right. I can walk with you for years. Amen? I can walk with you for years. And me walking with you for years, I can frustrate you a lot. Because I need to, if I see you don't grow, I will come back on the same point and take you around the same hill over and over again. And you will not know you're passing by Mariah over and over again in a circular format. And when I see you pass, then we go to Rephidim, the next phase of life. That's fathering. We spoke about percentage of children around the table earlier on. No parent will like a child to get 30%. 3 out of 10. You will get dirty words. I will say, nautical mile from after a so warm slam. You will not forget it. Amen? Are you with me today? The parental blessing you need the birthright to be restored to you. Amen? If we are heirs of God, then we are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Are those, are those sounds going to come on the tape? No. It won't come on. Okay, fine. Right. Listen here, guys. He starts recording again. Your, your parental blessing your parental blessing is paramount in your life. Paramount in your life. And Isaac, his father called him Jacob, come here. And before he gave him an instruction, he blessed him. He blessed him. Go to the scriptures, especially the first five books, the Pentateuch, the Torah, and see how God instructs the leaders to bless the people. And it follows right to the scripture. Right throughout scripture. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord give you grace. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That's how God transfers blessing. If God takes time out to instruct Moses and Aaron to bless the people, we need to get back into that order. Say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. No, we're not, it's not just a song. I'm blessed, I'm blessed. No, no, no. It is an impartation. It is a shifting from one label to another label. God blesses you. Are you okay with that? That's the first point. You need to understand the blessing transferred to you by paternal grace to the Father, Son, one skin. You need to understand that. Is that okay? Should I repeat some of it again? You understand that? But paternal blessing must be understood. Now, I'm going to use some New Testament illustrations to show you it doesn't stop in the Old Testament. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 29. I quoted this already in the past. The similar passage is Luke chapter 6, verse 47 to 49. Matthew chapter 7, 24 to 29. You got it? Matthew chapter 7, 24 to 29. He that, he that heareth my words and doeth my words, says Jesus, I reckon him as unto a wise man. In other words, if you listen to Jesus and you do what he says, he compares you to a guy with wisdom. And builds his house upon the rock foundation, 
And when the storms of life come, the waters come, the wind blows against the house, the house stands. In other words, the house is stable. The house is established. Right? That's not a literal house. That can refer to your life. That can refer to any enterprise you're busy with. You build it upon the foundation of solid word. It stands. It stands. The house stands. By wisdom, a house is built. Come on, guys. By understanding, a rooms are full of good treasures. Proverbs 24, verse 3. You must have heard that so many, so many times this last few weeks. It, you must be tired of it. So I think some of you, I think else was thinking, hey, Pastor, you're getting boring now. I'd rather be bored and bored and bored until you learn. Okay? I'm just joking, by the way. Right. Now look at this. If you study Matthew chapter 7, it's just simply Jesus practicing the father-son relationship. Now I want to take you to a higher level looking at Jesus. Jesus is looked at by the church as a savior, right? As a redeemer, as a deliverer. One that heals, one that meets our needs, okay? one that protects us, one that comes to our aid. That's Jesus, right? Write this down. Jesus must be seen as a pattern son. A pattern son. Another word for pattern is the word tupos, which means an example. Right? An example. He's a designing, he's a designer piece sent by God into the earth and said, This is sonship. Have you ever looked at Jesus as a son and cut out from the heavens a pattern of sonship? If you follow him, you will not have to ask the father, what is sonship? Sonship is, sonship is just basically imaging the father. That's what Jesus did. When Jesus says, you do what I tell you to do, that's the pattern that operates in the heavens, down to the earth. That's sonship. Okay? Write this down. Intention generates the reality of life. Intention generates the reality of life. Mm. Intention, gener intention generates the reality of life. The intention of God. It's Genesis 1, 26 to 28. That's God's intention that us make men. If you take that as the framework for your life, if you take that as a framework of your life, you'll realize your God-given reality. Okay? Genesis 1, 26. If that becomes if God's intention, you embrace God's intention as the framework of your life, the architecture of your life, your reality of image of God will be realized. Amen? I'm not going to go further into the other parts of, of, of Jacob's life. I'm just going to go into that first part. I had three points. With the, in actual fact that, uh, that the righteousness of Jacob, is ten, there's ten points I discovered. There's even more. But I'm going to talk about ten points in the next few weeks. But we're only going to do this one today. He listened to the instruction of his father. That's the first thing. Thank you, Carl. Even comes to me now. Hmm? Louise, can Rwanda open that door there? We can circulate. Thank you. That's a principle. That's a principle of of, of recognizing authority. <laughs> I have no right to tell him open the door. Gotta ask him. Gotta instruct him through you. Listen now. Jacob's instruction. No, 
Isaac's instruction to Jacob covers many aspects of Jacob's life. Go to the house of Panadaram. Let's look at that. What friend? Write this down. Go to Panadaram means you have to understand the principle of migration. We cannot forever stay at one level in Christ. You've got to migrate constantly. Life is a journey, it's a process of migration until we become matured. Okay? Moving from one level, all location in the spirit, to the next level in the spirit. Demonstrated naturally. Right? I'm so glad it's quiet. Because if I told you now, God's going to meet your needs. He's going to come to your aid. People would jump up and say, Hallelujah! God never comes. Somebody phoned me yesterday and said to me, Pastor Daryl, can you expect me breakthrough? And I asked him, What do you want to break through from? He said, I don't know. They said, then I can't explain to you what breakthrough means. <laughs> you know, and he laughed, he laughed, he laughed. He said to me, Hey, Pastor, he had me. He phoned from Richards Bay. And I said to him, get to know what you want to break through from. But God is a God of breakthroughs. I said to him, give me a scripture. Couldn't. It's a normal word we use in church, but we do not know why it's there. Moving from one location, go to Padanaram. Speaks about upgrade. Coming to the next level, advancing. Upon the instruction of your father. Who told Jacob to go? His father, Isaac. Where did Isaac get that from? From his father, Abraham. Are you okay with me this morning? Right? It speaks about migration. It also speaks about, he said to him, take your wife from the house of Laban. In other words, I send you out now. You are too long in this house now. Get a wife. Upgrading from a single state of life. Taking a wife. Marriage. You see what's locked in the word. In one word. Go to the house of, go to Padanaram. Take a wife. In other words, go and get married. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife and the two shall become one flesh. It's an instruction. Marriage, it goes from being single to being married. Right. Now when, when the father says, go and get a woman, go and get a wife, he takes him from single to being married. But when he gets married, children, Family. The third point when this, this is he migrates to family. Right? He migrates from the only location. Secondly, from, from, from being single to getting a wife. Getting a wife means family. Family. Family is the most attacked divine institution you can get upon the earth right now. The government will soon tell you. You have no rights upon your children. It's happening all over us. Yeah. Australia has passed a law. The government has more right to the child than the parents. And the, there was an uproar in Australia. You know why? Because we allow the super literate to govern us. Or in our case, the super illiterate to govern us. Family must be protected by godly principles. Then, a point I want to highlight to you. Go to, the, go to Padanaram. Get a wife. Go to Laban's house. Laban was a businessman. He upgraded him from just being a normal worker, son in the house, to a business status. The instruction of the father is very, very important. Go to Laban's household. And you find out that Laban had livestock. He was a farmer. He was a farmer. But look at the look at the, the, the knowledge of Isaac. 
He knows what God can do to Jacob because Jacob, maybe Isaac didn't know that this young man cunningly bought the birthright, deceived his father for the birthright, but he sends him out with a double portion of anointing, birthright anointing. And he carries that anointing. Now listen to me. He carries the anointing of Abram. He carries the anointing of Isaac. And he carries his double portion, birthright anointing into Laban's house. What's going to happen to Laban's house? It's going to prosper. Hello? How do I know this? Jacob comes before Laban. Genesis 28, from, from 22, 20 to 22. No, that's another point. I'm, I'm just jumping that now. So I don't want to talk about this now. I'll talk about it later on. Now, listen to me now. <laughs> listen to me now. I looked at that and I said, that's the, the wrong portion of scripture I wrote down there. But the portion of scripture I want to talk to you about is this Jacob's righteousness. We had last week. Jacob said, my righteousness will answer for me. My righteousness will defend me. My righteousness will build my life. Genesis 31 verse 33. Genesis 31 verse 33. I will get, it, I will get the right script. 33, I think. Verse Summer. Or 50. Please don't sell. Don't tell me it's old age now. I can see Louise thinking in a rather blessed pastor's mindset. I'll get you the scriptures. In fact, I wanna, I'm going to transfer all the scriptures to you this afternoon. Mm -hmm. I'll just see it. 31, 38. This is a time when Jacob says, okay, come to Laban and says, I've worked for you now for a long time. I've worked 14 years for my two wives and I've given you six years of my life. Now release me. In other words, board me. 38 years. Genesis 31 was 38. To 42. 31 to 38 to 42. Mm. Ah, it's Genesis mm. 30 verse 33. Sorry, my dear. Thank you. So later when the matter of my wages is brought yeah, before you, yeah. my fair dealing will be evident before you answer for me. Mm. Verse 33. Yeah. Mm. Verse 33. Let me just give you the, the background of this. Jacob comes to Laban and says, I've worked long for you now. 20 years. Right? When he comes in, in later verses, he says, in this, this 20 years, you changed my wages 10 times. Then more, then less. Then more, then less. You messed me around a lot, Laban. And then he says to him, uh, let me go to my father's house. You see, he had respect for his father's house. We'll get into the next text time. He says, he says, he says, and he said, what shall I give thee? Now he said, I will, you determine your wage. And he said, I don't want your wage. In a way, he said to him, I want ownership. I worked long for you. And he said in verse 31, what shall I give thee? And Jacob said, thou shalt not give me anything. If thou will do this thing for me, I will again feed and keep thy flock. Now this is the thing he wanted. I will pass through all thy flock today. Removing from thence all the speckled and spotted cattle and all the brown cattle among the sheep and the spotted and speckled among the goats. And of such shall be my hire. And this will be the wages I want from you. All your livestock that you have here. I will go to all the livestock, this big herd that you have here, this multiple, this multitude of, of animals you have. I will go to them. I will pick out the spotted and the speckled and the striped and the brown ones, you know, the one with different colors. And they will be mine. And then he says this word, So shall my righteousness answer for me. Right? 
so shall my righteousness, my dealings with you in righteousness will defend me. Jacob later goes on to explain to him, I looked after your stock for years. I even took ownership of your stock. Then when a lion came and a jackal came and destroyed your flocks, I never reported it. I replaced it out of my pocket. Now come on. That is taking care of another possessions as if it is your own. It's another point for its own. So some unrighteousness come in and answer for me, defend me, and work for me. Look to the next phase in time to come. Jacob goes and says, in time to come, my righteousness will defend me. He takes his righteousness and says, my righteousness will prophetically place me in the future as a, as a, a man that's rich and have enough. Do you see that? In time to come, Jacob begins to operate prophetically on his own outside his father's authority. On his own. Guys, if you take the prophetic acumen of God, the grace, the authority, into the business world, the business world will stand amazed. Right. If Michael goes in, and at the moment there's a, there's, there's a lot of things that's wrong in our country. Prices have gone up, milk has gone up, eggs have got scares, and you know, whatever. I, I do not know what's the reason. I, I can suspect the reason is uh, price fixing and stuff like that. But if Michael says, well, they say there's no milk. And ask God, where do I get milk? And God gives him an idea where to get milk. Then Michael becomes a player in the market. Michael can buy a lot of milk and, sh and sell it to other businesses besides his own business. Am I right? That's what we can do. My righteousness will defend me. Hello. My righteousness will defend me. The other day I was in pick pay. And I walked to and uh, I love Pringle chips. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not hinting on you to buy me a Christmas packet of chips. Right? Please. I love Pringle chips. And, uh, and I looked at the price. Took one, uh, one tube out. I said to myself, 43 rand, 99 cents, 44 for one tube. Mm -hmm. And I know of a man that advertised, advertised two tubes for 32 rand or 30 rand. Am I right, Michael? Mm -hmm. So where will I buy my Pringles from now? Mad Foods. You understand what I'm saying to you? God will give you an idea and your righteousness. By acting upon the word will defend you. Time to move prophetically in the business world has come. <coughs> Amen. Amen. I'm going to close now. I was, and this was a battle for me this morning with God. This was a battle with God this morning. I didn't even want to make notes because I said to God, I don't want to speak about this again. And God said to me, you have to speak about this to the table. God says to, and I'm just going to mention it, and we're going to deal with it next week or Tuesday night. God said to Jacob, go and I will bless you. Genesis 28. I will bless you. And he goes in as a dream, right? He wakes up and says, truly the Lord is in this place and calls the place Bethel. He anoints the rock. And God says to him, I will go with you. I will protect you. And then he says to God, if the Lord goes with me, and the Lord protect me, and the Lord give me what he said, I'm paraphrasing, I will give me what he said. He said, then I will give a tenth of everything you give me back to you. Hello, church. God said, I will protect you. I will, I, will, I will grow you. I will multiply you. Jacob says, if you do that, then I will give a tenth of my resources to you. 
but then I close. Amen. We can do that Tuesday night or next week.